0: I was giving, I was given the skill of trying to ride, uh, smoother through technical terrain. And the focus was to be on heel placement. And so we're the feet, I should say. And so obviously riding technical terrain is going to take me to trails like Whistler DH and, you know, the more the DH Rudy trails and man, trying to instruct on some of those. Really, you know, we, we don't get to ride wet terrain here. And so. Anytime it, get, it got wet for me, it was just like totally out of, out of my, my game. And
1: Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on trail effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. Episode 133 once again features Dustin Schiltz. Dustin is the founder of Dirt Peddlers, a gravity-focused youth mountain bike program based out of the greater Minneapolis-St. Paul area. In this episode, Dustin covers how the 2022 Dirt Peddlers season went, what he learned at his Level 2 PMBIA clinic in Whistler, what's going on at Dirt Peddlers in 2023, a trip to Windrock Bike Park, and more. Cooley Creative is a title sponsor for this episode. They design and build custom websites, as well as help companies with branding, photography, and e-commerce. Cooley Creative was started in Wisconsin, but is now based out of Bend, Oregon. Jared from Cooley Creative is a friend of mine. We've traveled together on multiple mountain bike trips, and sometimes he sends it. For more information about Cooley Creative, head on over to www.dojustsendit.com. Yes, that's right, we will get you to the Cooley Creative website, so check it out. Trail One Components, the brand that was created to put top-quality mountain bike components into the world while giving back to trails. I wanted to put the Crockett Carbon Handlebar to a solid test before talking about it on here. I put these bars on both of my mountain bikes back in early March and have been using them ever since. I have always had hand and forearm issues while mountain biking thanks to Carpal Tunnel. I can tell you that these bars are among the best in the industry when it comes to comfort. Use the affiliate link to purchase your own Trail One Components, and you'll be helping support the podcast in the process. As a bonus, use the code TrailPod as one word when checking out for a 20% discount on all Trail One Components and Kettle Mountain Apparel. 230 USA has come on board as an affiliate for the Trail Effect Podcast. If you are familiar with rooftop tents and overlanding, 230 has likely been a narrator. radar. Check out their affiliate link on the Trail Effect website and learn about the well-thought-out designs that 23-Zero has to offer. Now on to the Trail Effect with Dustin Schiltz.
2: Here we are today on Trail Effect. I have Dustin Schiltz. Not Schlitz, but Schiltz. The founder of Dirt Peddlers, which is a youth program out of the greater Minneapolis-St. Paul area focused on 12 to 17-year-old day camps and slightly longer trips to places like Bentonville and obviously around the uh, upper Midwest where we have some Excellent mountain biking is starting to take off, and it's really pretty gravity-focused as well. Dustin was also featured on The Range Report, Volume 5. Andy is the focus on Episode 71 of the Trail Effect podcast. How's it going today, Dustin?
0: Uh, it's going pretty well, Josh. Thanks for having me back. I'm glad to finally kick off this season. You know, the weather's seeming, seeming to uh, turn around for us here a little bit, so I'm uh, getting able to get going.
2: Yeah, the winter was definitely... Uh I think it's held on in, in many places across North America, but even for us, it's, it's definitely held on. Let's get into like how 2022 went for you. That was the first official full season of Dirt Paddlers. And at the same time, we had the opening of some, some, newer, some newer places. And so that gave you guys some more playgrounds to play on, both literally and figuratively.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, uh, 2022 went uh, really well. We got off uh, 13 day trips and two camps. Uh, both camps were up in Duluth, um, which were, you know, it was really good. A lot of the riders dipping their toe into getting away from home and just riding more uh, aggressive terrain, and so it was it was a pretty interesting experience. Uh, I think from everybody's perspective, uh, primarily mine, because on the first day trip or not, not first day trip, uh, first camp, uh, we're driving up there, and I had about. I don't know. I think there there were six in that group, and four of them had never been away from Hall for an extended period of time, and two of them had never camped before. And so, at that point, I'm like, "Whoa, what's this going to be like?" Right? Because it's my first camp, and theirs as well, almost. And uh, luckily, it went really well. Everybody did awesome, and because uh, camping is sort of a new thing to somebody that's never done it before, it's kind of like a well, I don't know, it's a different experience. But uh, you know, we even had some storms roll through, and uh, they all handled it well camping through the thunderstorms and we got up and hit the roof and it was, it was pretty awesome.
2: Were you guys based right out of Spirit right there then?
0: Yep. Yep. We camped right at Spirit. So, you know, they have really nice camping amenities. It's not like we're in a primitive situation. It worked out really well. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just nice for the, uh, how, how accessible the trails are. You can just ride right down to them.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. And. And Spirit's a place where that it's like it's like an ups, I call it like an upside down ski or, or bike park because the chalet is at the top and you start with a ride down.
0: Right. Yeah. But I, I always actually use the bottom chalet as my main base when I go there. I know a lot of people like to park at the top, but there's something about that uh, in my head about taking the lift back up to my vehicle or whatever, that just doesn't quite sit well with me. Like I like to finish the day on a on a rundown. So but yeah, it is, it is kind of strange.
2: I definitely agree with that. And I remember the first time I ever went to any kind of ski hill, which was actually, I think the first upset, what I call upside down ski hill would have been either Chestnut and Galena. I went to, to ski or snowboard at, or Sundown, which is right across the river in Iowa. Both of those have the chalet okay. on top. And that was my first experience of that. And it was, it was weird to to finish with a chairlift ride, right?
0: <laughs> right. Right. You, don't, you never really have to deal with the, um, uh... Hey, let's take a last run. Right. Cause you're just kind of up there and you're like, Oh, well, I'll be done.
2: Yeah. That is, there's is that superstition around that. You can definitely just check out on a good
0: note. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess getting back to, uh, some of the outcomes from 2022, it was really amazing from my perspective to see the level of progression across all of the riders. Uh, we had like a core group of, I would say 10 four riders, and then they would mix and match coming on each day trip or camp. So it was kind of like a mixed bag every every uh, trip. But um, the level of progression that I saw within like two and a half months uh, was really intense. And not not just skill-wise, but like the, the, the mental game uh, was really impressive too. I mean, a lot of these kids I work with uh, at the Cycle like Works program, so I'm the head coach for the gravity team there, and we do two days a week where we work on more of the technique, fundamental stuff. And then we take that to places like Duluth and whatnot. So i keep their head in the game throughout the week. And then during the weekends and uh, day trips and stuff, we, we get up and we actually put that stuff to use and it seemed like the model worked really well. It kept them focused during practice because I could actually give them examples like, Hey, this is what we're going to ride at Spirit Mountain this weekend. And this is why I'm teaching it to you right now. and We're going over it. So that type of I guess, model, I found super successful in, in getting them to pay attention and then see what the end goal was, especially once we got up there. And it kind of took the pressure off of them to try to put everything together. Actually, when we got to the feature at Spirit Mountain, it was more or less when we got to the feature at Spirit Mountain, it was like running over the things we practiced and uh, me sort of confirming that they have checked all the boxes to properly do this. Um, and then it was just a matter of them, you know, working through the positive visualization and all of that fun stuff before they hit it for the first time. So I guess that was like extremely satisfying for me as a, as a coach instructor. And then also when I kind of stepped back and let them talk amongst themselves about what they would do and how they would do things was really, I guess, great. Like I, I, I couldn't believe like to hear them breaking down some of these features and how they would, they would talk about how they'd approach it. You know, what the speed should be like, Oh, should I, I kind of unload here or what? Um, and just kind of hearing that dialogue in real time was, was a pretty cool experience.
2: Yeah. And if I remember correctly, you guys also did the Enduro during Duluth bike Fest, and that got a little spicy if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, that was um, crazy uh, because we, we got up there two days early to pre-ride a lot of the course. Uh, you know, build confidence, so then they could kind of, you know, take it to the race speed, race pace, I guess. And uh, that morning, early that morning, they just got the littlest like rainfall, and it had been really dry up there. I don't know, probably three, four weeks. And so there was like this really fine dust those two previous days. And when it got that that small amount of precipitation, it didn't really wash it down the hill. What it did is it just kind of created this grease. This all this like film on everything. And uh pretty much anything that was rock um was just ice. And so you had runs like Anvil, I think uh what else is on there? Anvil, Steelto uh I think toe was our first run and there's a double rock roll that was when I got to it, it was littered with people sliding down it. I couldn't even attempt to ride it. So it was very interesting. And all the kids did really well like if I would have been going into that particular event racing for myself and not supporting them, I would have been like pretty terrified. Like, and they they all just were having fun and keeping it safe and you know trying to get through it as best they could, and uh, they all nailed it. So uh, we didn't have any major injuries or anything like that. Because uh, towards the end of the day, man, uh, when I looked at that medic tent, like there were people just streaming in and out of that thing all day. So I was I was pretty happy about that. So it was a good experience for them racing for the first time, uh, and I, I promised them next time uh, they would hopefully get drier conditions, and that would, uh, you know, up their confidence game a little bit.
2: Yeah, for sure. That's a tough promise to keep, though, because you can't control the weather.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It was well. They actually they actually did race. Um, they did one of the Tuesday night enduros uh, at Spirit, like probably a month prior, and. That one was a little bit more chill because it was like Happy Camper and I believe uh, Candyland maybe. And so that one they all had. It was dry conditions. It was perfect conditions for that, and they had a blast doing that. So uh, they, they did get they did get a taste of what you know some good dirt would be like for racing. But um, you know when you race, you have to race in all conditions. So I just wish we around here we could race wet more often so we could get used to it. Um, but that's just not the reality with our soil type and all that stuff. So, but we have to deal with.
2: Yeah. And if I remember right, we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit here, but you went up to Whistler last year as well for your PMBIA. Was it a level two certification or going towards level two and you, and PMBIA actually doesn't just, just teach you how to coach. They require that you can walk the walk.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got up, I was up at Whistler for about uh, 10 days last spring going for my yeah, PMBIA level two air certification. Um, and, uh, they, they, offer it all across the country, but I figured uh, if I'm going to start going down that path, like, I mean, Whistler is where the program was born. So, and just the level of instruction and riders there is uh, second to none. So I thought it'd be a great experience to learn from the best. And yeah, it's, it's a pretty intense, sort of course, it's four days of 10 hour days, um, where they're just, you're, you're running through, um, all these different skill progressions and, uh, ways to think about instructing different types of people and, you know, all the small little mechanics that go into, you know, coaching and instructing as you get to higher levels and, you know, everything from like, heel placement to hand placement to elbow placement it's just like all these small little tweaks that you can make and so it's three days of hardcore that and then the fourth day you have to run through and give uh, a full skills progression on the mountain and it is a very intense uh, process i would say the only thing is probably a little bit on the same level when i went for my wilderness first responder certification which is a 10 day course and they put you through like a, a hour to two hour scenario at the end to pass is just next level, like stuff. And on top of that, you're riding on next level terrain. And on the day that I was giving my, um, skill progression to the, to the group, I was raining, absolutely pouring. Right. And I was giving, I was given the skill of trying to ride uh, smoother through technical terrain. And the focus was to be on heel placement, and so or weighting the feet, I should say. And so, obviously, riding technical train is going to take me to trails like Whistler DH, and uh, you know, the more the DH Rudy trails. And man, trying to instruct on some of those, really, you know, we, we don't get to ride wet train here. And so, anytime it get it got wet for me, it was just like totally out of out of my my game. And Uh, luckily, uh, I was able to pull through and, uh, I, uh, I passed here with flying colors, only 40% of the 20 people that that came to Whistler passed. so I feel, uh, pretty, pretty proud of that achievement. And, uh, you know, all the, all the hours of studying and whatnot paid off. So, um, it was a very cool experience. And then I, I did get two days of free riding after that, but. That
2: had to have been awesome, but you must have been pretty tired after that too, between the, the, both the mental and the physical of, of doing the coaching, coach instructing.
0: Yeah, it was, it was exhausting coming back just because it was, I think, so I had one travel day and then I had eight days of being in Whistler. And when you're in Whistler, you just go for it, right? Like I cannot not ride. So that was like eight straight days, um, beyond personal riding, but then coach riding. And when I got back, it was just like mentally, I was just mentally drained, but it it felt really good to come out of it having passed. And so that, that made it a little bit easier, but uh, I definitely needed like a day or two off the bike just to kind of, you know, regain function of my forearms and all that stuff from all the, the pump. So
2: let's transition back to dirt peddlers. What, you know, coming out of 2022 into 2023, what kind of stuff were you working on over the winter to kind of like. I guess, modify the experience, you know, kind of take some lessons learned so you can improve on what, you know, what you did in 2022 for
0: 2023. Yeah. Um, well, and over the, the off season, I was still working with the Locust cycle works gravity team. And so I ran their off season training program. And, uh, the whole goal basically for me was to show these riders that, you know, in the off season is when the games are made. Uh, you know, when, it's the race season or riding season. That's where you just, you're maintaining, you know, your fitness and strength. And so I was trying to really show them, you know, the benefit of keeping active in the off season and doing very focused training. Uh, so one day a week, we would do some uh, strength training in the gym at the trailhead, mainly, you know, circuit workouts and stuff like that, high intensity, uh, high heart rate. And then the other day, like on Thursdays, we would do a coordinated Zwift ride, you know, where we all log on and, you know, still kind of keep, keep on the bike, uh, keep that aerobic endurance you know, high. My, my big goal was to just show them that staying fit throughout the year is um, highly beneficial to how far they'll progress the following season. Just because like you come out of the the off season haven't not done anything for three months. Well, this year our off season was like felt like six months. You know that first month, month and a half is going to be soul crushing on the bike. You're going to be like, what is going on? I can't I can't do anything. And so, yeah, having them come out of the the off season, having gone through the training, and we got down to uh, Bentonville for a six day camp. You know, I heard a lot of them talking like, wow, this is crazy. I don't even feel that bad. And it's like. It's that slow sort of build like there's they're starting to get it.
1: You have to you have to kind of keep on it
0: somewhat if you want to see results. And so that was my big goal for this off season. And which directly, you know, affects dirt peddlers because those are my riders as well.
2: For sure. And you just mentioned that you've already taken a trip to Bentonville. That was in, I believe, mid March, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, it was it, yep. It was the end of end of March. You know, a lot of a lot of these riders haven't really been outside minnesota much to ride and so they're all you know super excited about it and um, and we got down there Then the first day it it was raining thunderstorms and so we went and rode what is that the hot not hobs
2: hobs or or did you go to the
0: rail yard No, i went to the rail yard later but there is a trail system there that you can ride when it's wet and that's where everybody goes
2: the state park that is the state park is Hobbs. state park you
0: yeah. Is that Hobbs? Okay. yeah, We went and rode that and uh, just to get them out, just to burn some energy out. Cause we sat around the first day, you know, looking out the, the window at the rain. So I was like, well, we just got to do something. And so that was, that was kind of a good primer for it. And then, uh, and then the next day we got to Slaughter Pen and I took them all over, all over there to uh, boneyard, uh, the skills area. And they were just like beyond themselves. Like, they're like this stuff is like right by the city, you know? And it's like, yeah, this is, it's pretty crazy. And just how quickly they all came back, like after, after the first like two hours of just kind of getting back on their bike and like feeling it out, like it was amazing just to see them start going off and, um, you know, hitting stuff again and just riding with such confidence. And it's because they, they had the strength that they built up in the off season, right? So they could come back and do that uh, more immediately and really, really get the full experience of what Benville is versus, you know, riding for two hours and be like, oh, I'm tired. You know, they they charged for three and a half days hard. Like we were out probably six seven hours each day riding, and so it was it was a super great experience. Uh, we had great weather after that first day, and uh, and they loved it and they're hungry for more.
2: Yeah, and I know you guys you posted some on Instagram with of some of your athletes to hit and drop the hammer over at Kohler and Mad Hatter over in Wonderland. Yep. You know, how was that experience for them? Yep,
0: that was that was. I mean, it wasn't just next level for him. I mean, that's the thing that they kept asking. saying. Like, I'm not used to like seeing the stuff I see on YouTube in real life, you know. And it's it is kind of you know, shocking the first time you see like these places that you've probably been watching on YouTube for the last two three years, and now you're finally there. And so it was it was super great. I was very careful to lead them on a very progression based tour of Bentonville. Like, I didn't take them straight to Kohler Bike Park. So they were like, let's hit drop the hammer first. Um, we didn't hit that until like, I believe the second half of our last full last day there. Um, we spent a lot of time in like slaughter pen, working on those drops, you know, uh, Boneyard. And then uh, I was at the Castle Hub Trails up there, you know, just, just getting comfortable on the bike again. And then we took them to Kohler and, uh, you know, the previous two and a half days, the work that they put in and uh, really showed because it was just a matter of me running through. A quick demo, um, giving them the confidence that this is all of the good things that I've seen from their technique over the last few days, and that they are more competent. They are more than competent to, you know, hit this thing. And so we started on the lower drop, on drop the hammer, um, since they're basically the same proportions, like almost built identically. Just uh, the lower one a little bit smaller. Uh, worked on that one, and then got the confidence up, and then we took it up to the big one, and it was, it wasn't much in the way of having of me having to like build the confidence, they were just like ready to go. And it just took a couple like fee checks and they're like, let's do it. And so we got them off it and they were just having a blast. And in my opinion, I think Kohler bike park is probably one of the best early season places to really build your confidence for the upcoming season. I mean, it just makes everything feel like dialed, like you hit those drops and then you're doing fire line and you're like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at trail speed hitting jumps. I'm feeling good. And then, yeah, I just feel like after that they were just ready to go. I can take them anywhere and they'd be ready to ride it. So,
2: Well, and Kohler has everything. I mean, they have the dual slum course, they have straight up raw nasty single track. They have obviously the stuff that you've been talking about off the hub, you know, with fire line and cease and desist and rock solid, rock soft and all the good stuff. And so you can get that yeah, they, experience at one venue.
0: Right. And it's like, you can get those quick reps too. It's like, you're not like hitting something. And then it's like 20 minutes later and you're hitting it again. It's like, you can just really look at, you know, drop the hammer and just really pound it and and get that, that, uh, the skills and you know, the feeling you know, locked into your muscle memory. Unfortunately, the dual fall was closed when we were there, they were rehabbing it, but so that just gives me another reason to take them back there, I guess.
2: So. Yeah, and, and to get full pulls, like the climb. Now that they chip seal the path back to the top, I think they called it. I think yeah. they aptly call it pedal assist. Like that actually makes <laughs> doing do call it pedal,
0: but...
2: you know makes doing laps way easier as well because that used to be a grind yeah. going up Oscars to get back to the top. Oh yeah.
0: Oh, Osc- Oscars was not like that was that was brutal. I remember like I think when my first time there in 2018. I mean, it was like maybe four laps and you're just like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> you know, but the nice thing about that pedal assist there is I can, I can trick them into doing hill repeats, right? Like, Hey, we're going to go ride this sweet downhill. We got to pedal back up. Usually they're more than willing to do it. So just all on how you frame it, I guess.
2: Well, so that trip is out of the way for 2023. What else do you have coming up for 2023 planned trips and, and camps, day camps and whatnot?
0: Well, uh, we got, a. Uh... This Saturday, we got a trip to uh, Pinehurst, which is over in Eau Claire, which is a, you know, all of my riders really love it. Uh, What they've done over there is pretty fantastic, you know, city park. It's really unbelievable what they are building there and what they've done. And then at the end of this month, uh, over Memorial Day, we are headed up to the uh, experience of Keweenaw Enduro. And so we're going to take in all the, well, I'm going to show them the awesomeness of Copper Harbor and everything that 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 can deliver and hopefully get on the stuff over at East Bluff over there. I haven't uh, been up there in a year or two, so I haven't got to experience the, the newer stuff. What is it? Citrus tech?
2: Yeah. Citrus tech is their newer, newer
0: runs. Yeah. So we're excited for that. And then we have a bunch of day trips that I have tentatively planned. I just need loose and everywhere up North to saw out and dry out so I can start launching uh, those dates. But we have a, We have a camp out to uh, Trestle in the beginning of August, August 3rd through the 9th. We'll be getting the team out there to uh, experience, you know, big bike park laps and what what that's all about. So that'll be pretty exciting to show that to them and have them experience that and see, you know, what type of progression you can see in their skill level over those five days riding that. I mean, I remember my first time to Trestle, I got, I think, four days in a row. And it was like, I came back, I was like, I'm a totally new rider. Just because, you know, the trail speed alone that you can get on some of those, those trails for such an exp- uh, extended amount of time is, is really confidence inspiring. So I'm excited to see what, what it'll do for them.
2: Yeah, and I think when we were messaging back and forth, you'd also talked about some caps or some, some I guess, some skills progression at Cottage Grove Bike
1: Park.
0: Yep. Yep. So um, I talked to the, the gentleman that actually spearheaded that whole thing his name's chance glassford and he he was interested in getting more sort of awareness of the bike park because it's been there for like 10 years and you know i've lived in the cities for 20 and i didn't only became you know familiar with it probably in the last five years and it's an amazing resource to or you know dirt jumpers mountain bikes whatever type of bike Um, but nobody really goes there and i think it's Primarily because you look at it and it's pretty like, wow, what do I even do there? You know, you just see all these huge dirt jumps and, you know, these drops and pump track. And um, I think it probably could be a little, I guess, unnerving for somebody maybe newer to it because it's so in the open. And it's like if you're riding it for the first time, you're like, oh, I don't want to be riding in front of all these people. Um, so I was talking to him about getting the bike park some more awareness and we're uh, launching a feature shred. Sessions uh, there this coming summer where uh, we'll be focusing on 12 to 17 year olds and working on uh, intro to mountain bike skills will be the first wave and then after that we will have uh, intro to roll downs drops and jumps so we'll be leading through you know the younger riders on uh, progressions on how to you know attack all the different jumps and features that they have down there and do it uh, you know with the greatest amount of success possible.
2: And then on time Minneapolis is just starting to go off for that region. You also have the Paradise Playground at Monarch Trails opening up this
0: spring. Yep. Yeah, we are eagerly anticipating that opening. Like I I think I click on Trailbot every day just to be like, is it open yet? Are you open? Open please. Yeah, we're super excited for that because I think that is gonna really change. Well, not only that, it's gonna give the sort of west side of the metro something to you know, go after as far as a more uh, challenging terrain. I mean, Monarch Trails are great. They're very, you know, cross-country focused. But uh, I think with this new skills area, it's really going to level up the experience there. And uh, we're super excited to, you know, take full advantage of that. With the Lopez Foundation, I'm working with them to put together uh, a skills camp where we do Two days at the trailhead working on the basics, and then on the third day, we'll all hop in the dirt peddler's van and go to Monarch and put that all those skills to use, you know, on trail experience. So i was really excited for that. And then on top of that, we are another uh, win in 2022 is we got an dr- actual drop zone put in to the at the trailhead at the Lopez Foundation there. Um, so we have a one foot, two foot, and four foot drop that we can you know, teach kids and young riders, I guess all riders, you know, in a safe environment where they just have to focus on the drop. There's no other trail distractions. It's um, just working on the technique and and getting it done. So we're super excited about that. And then uh, we have some big plans at the trailhead as far as getting some additional trails in there that are focused more on um, straightforward instruction. So, um, you know, kind of clearing away a lot of the, as I said, noise from, you know, two burns before a jump. It's going to be like, we're just going to be looking at jumps. So um, we're pretty excited about that and what that uh, will bring in later 2023.
2: That'll be awesome. How's the overall reception been from both parents and athletes with this? Now that you have a full year under your belt and you've started
0: 2023. I mean, it's been, it's been amazing. Um, The parents love it. You know, I've had a lot of parents that have actually reached out to me. Uh, personally, and just been like, we can't um, thank you enough for doing this. A lot of the riders, like they, they just say that you know they were being kind of pushed into the the sort of uh, cross country side of things just because that's what's at the high school, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, but you know some people just aren't into it, and so they, they were kind of left, you know, in the lurch. And so you know these parents are just saying how how stoked these riders are uh, that not only are they getting to do the type of riding that they want to do, uh, but they're, they're riding with the type of people have a similar sort of perspective on, on the, the riding, um, the type of stuff that they want to ride and, you know, how they want to ride it. And so, um, it's pretty cool to see a small little community, uh, come together of all these, these young riders from different school districts and cities across the Metro. If you were to you know come and drop by one of the, the sessions at the, the trailhead you would think they all had been friends forever, right? But most of them just met each other like last year. And so it's, it's pretty cool to, outside of even, even the bike aspect to see how this type of program can en- enrich you know, their lives and give them strong community to uh, lean on
2: Yeah, and it's, it's so important. I think, and you're starting to see programs like this, not exactly like dirt peddlers, but gravity-based programs starting to pop up I think I just saw something pop up in the Grand Rapids area you know and then I think they're partnering with Duluth a little bit you know more competition enduro based type of stuff but Mm -hmm. you know like you said there's the focus and and I understand why because it's easier to focus on cross country but the focus at the high school level and even middle school level is cross country and Mm -hmm. I mean for things like enduro that's kind of important because you do have a longer day on the bike but you don't get the same level of Excitement and skill progression, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's great. Like, I mean, I know Duluth has their, actu- they actually have a Enduro Devo program, which is great to see. Um, so the more, you know, the more uh, these things start to pop up, I think, you know, people are going to start to take notice and, and understand that, you know, this is out there. And um, I think it'll be cool down the road to, you know, when you do show up to these events regionally, like, you know, Copper Harbor Trails Fest and Marquette and, you know, Spirit Mountain, it would be cool to start seeing these youth teams pop up, you know, um, and what type of community then can we build from that, right? Because not only are, do we have, you know, my riders from Minneapolis area here, but all of a sudden they get to know, you know, the riders from Duluth, and then they get, oh, they get to know the riders from, you know, wherever, and what that can do for them later in life, like when they go up to college. Because then all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, we met you know, back at the you know, Enduro Devo program, but now all of a sudden they're, they're still riding together out in Colorado, right? Going to visit each other and stuff like that. Now, how cool that would be down the road to see that stuff materialize. Yeah,
2: I think we're, you know, it's, it's becoming more clear to me that we're basically where like skiing was, and I'm going to say skiing only because snowboarding wasn't really quite a thing yet, but we're basically where skiing was, you know, back in the seventies, I think, you know, we're just, just starting to kind yeah. of take off. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though we think of mountain biking as being somewhat old, it's really, I mean, it's like our age, 40 plus.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I think, I think what's, what's, the, you know, what's been great about the actual enduro format is it's brought the best parts of mountain biking to like the rest of the country. Right. Cause before it was like, if you weren't in Colorado or, you know, Northern California or something like that, you really didn't know downhill. You didn't really have any opportunity to do it, let alone see it, you know? And so I think it's that's what's great about the Enduro format is that it can be applicable, you know, across the country for the
2: most part. Yeah. And there's a a lot of Enduro races, you know, happening in our region. They just had a big mountain Enduro down in Arkansas this past weekend.
0: Yeah. You know, and and that's right. It's legit. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing like Missouri, what what was it, Shepard Mountain? Yeah. You know, places down there they they actually hosted a BME event, which is like if you're hosting a BME events. You've got to have something, you know, there to, you know, pretty awesome to ride. So. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We're going to talk about this in a show that comes out right before this one, but there was just uh, the U S forest service was just unveiling the basically a preliminary concept of, of a five chairlift experience more in South central Arkansas you know, where there's 1,100 feet of, really? of elevation, you know, and so now they're starting to, oh. I and mean, this is a concept, so they have to solicit, you know, public input and whatnot. So there's a lot more that still right. needs to be figured out, especially on the environmental and side of things in terms of just the whole NEPA thing when you deal with f- public lands, but, you know, we're right. you could do a legit, like I was talking about with, with that guest, who's Ethan Edmond. He works for, he's a trail career leader for uh, Trailblazers in Bentonville you could do a legit Mm -hmm. gravity nationals, you know, once that, if that thing comes to fruition.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it was funny. Uh, so last fall, like all year I was kind of like, man, it'd just be fun to have, you know, something around Minneapolis that, that gave a taste of, of the Enduro format. And I was kicking around this with the uh, program director at the trailhead and I was like, man, what if we did a, what if we just did a, an enduro here at the trailhead, right? Um, cause they have like, I don't know, I think they have like five, six miles of trails around there. And you know, I, I had been scoping it out and like, well, you could, you know, they're going to be short, but it's going to give you the vibe of what enduro is about. And so, um, and he was like, yeah, let's do it. And so we came up with, uh, the, uh, it's called what the funduro. So WTS was our marketing angle on that. And, uh, people seemed to really like that, but it was a great experience. I think we got something like over a hundred racers and we just had five stages around the trailhead and it started at 10. I think it was over by 1130 and everybody had a great time. It was, you know, low key. It gave a, a really good entry point into the discipline that a lot of people really didn't know much about, like it's so easy for like you and I to be like, yeah, Enduro, we, we know all about this. But uh, when you start talking to like parents and people, you know, outside of it, it really opens your eyes. That, that not many people know what the format is yet. And like, they're like, is this downhill? Is this cross country? What is it? And then you show it to them and they're like, wow, that was really fun. That was like racing all the, the most fun parts of a cross country race. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of what it, what it is. And so, um, So yeah, they're, they're super excited. We'll probably do it again this year. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just one of those cool things to kind of show people the cool aspect of this type of riding.
2: Yeah. Before we wrap this thing up, we have to pivot because you just took a trip down to the Southeast to a place known as Windrock. And I think if you haven't experienced Windrock firsthand, you really can't wrap your head around what experiencing Windrock really is. So why don't you tell your Windrock experience uh, through through what you got to
0: see there? Yeah. So it was. Well, my big reason for going down there is because more of a dirt pillars recon to see what the viability for doing a camp down in that area would be, or maybe hitting wind rock one of the days. Um, and so I was going down there for a very crash course. Like I drove 14 hours and got two days of riding and drove 14 hours back. I woke up the first morning to three hours of downpour rain and, uh, I think it got to be about, I don't know, 11, 1130 rain had kind of let up sun was coming out and i was like well but here we got a ride so i uh, went and got our lift tickets and it was mud obviously slick and anybody who's been to R- wind rock like they they say they have blues blacks it's all just black i mean i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna sugarcoat it it's even like talladega as some parts are pretty black and just the speed you can you can gain is pretty nuts but that first day was just nothing but uh riding mud and just icy roots. And it was, I've never, I've never had my confidence in my riding shattered like that before, just because it was like, I don't even know how to ride this mud. Like it's so steep and it's like fall line into these catch berms where it was just a matter of like, well, I guess I'm just going to slide to the next 50 feet and shift my weight and hope that the berm catches me. And then just, you're doing that the whole time. And while you're trying to like get over you know, rocks and slippery roots, and yeah. Af- after that day, like I think we got about three hours of riding in. That was just like I was so mentally fatigued because it's so it's such an engaging like trail system. Like you're constantly thinking about stuff. You're not there's no like oh this is fun you know kind of flow trail. It's just like here's this here's it you know it bam 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 one after another. So um, that was that was a very uh, eye opening first day. And then the second day, it got a little bit drier, started out, you know, still pretty greasy. But by the end of the second day, uh, things were starting to come back around and it was getting, you know, drying out. So I could start to, you know, pick up speed a little bit and gain a little confidence back. But yeah, it is it is some of the steepest, gnarliest terrain um, I think I've, I've ever rode, you know, outside of places like Whistler and maybe Keystone. Um, but the way they build the trails is or I guess their attitude towards the trails is totally different because, you know, things will just get washed out and they're like, well, we just got to build next to it. Like they they don't try to rehab a lot of their trails just because they understand that things are going to get destroyed. And so you'll be riding and you'll see remnants of old trails in the woods. Like there'll be like this huge drop and you're like, I have no idea where that drop lands. It's just like landing in this sort of pit of rocks. And that's just because it washed out. And are like, well, that's gone. So, we're just going to build another trail right next to it. So, a really cool spot. The level of talent there is unreal. Like, it's so concentrated. Like, everybody there just absolutely rips. And it's going to be crazy to see in like five years or so. Like, the talent that's, I mean, we're already kind of seeing the talent that's, that's coming out of there. I mean, Dakota Norton lives there. Yeah, there and Gwynn that moved there. So, um, and, you know, those types of riders. Hanging out there. Like it's just going to elevate that scene to a whole
2: new level. What's crazy, and I'm sure you've seen this because we were talking about Downhill Southeast before we hit record, is that there's a 16 year old. I think he's from Colorado, but he's got picked up by Nico malali mm-hmm. You know, he beat Aaron Gwyn and Lucas Shaw at the Ride Rock Creek Southeast Enduro. And then I don't know if you saw yeah. this, but this last weekend there was a, another Downhill Southeast at Wind Rock and it was dry and slippery instead of wet and slippery. He went over the bars, jumped back on his bike, and was still only two seconds off of Aaron Gwen.
0: Wow. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, I mean, was still is... on,
1: he was still on the podium.
0: Wow. That is, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. It's just weird. Like, you're going up the shuttle. And you're just kind of looking at all, all these faces, and they're, they're just so young. And, just, and then you see him go off, and you're just like, wow. The future, the future is bright for, you know, U.S. downhill, I hope. Yeah.
2: Well, it definitely. I mean, especially coming out of there with they have the Gravity Academy that bases out of there, and it's uh, it's kind of a yeah. similar program to yours. They don't. I don't think they do as many camps because they are really just based out of there and they travel for races. But it's
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess af- after going there, my conclusion for dirt pillars was like it could be a possibility, but I think it would be um, almost like a senior trip for like the riders that have been with me for, you know, three, four years, you know, we go down and hit like shepherd mountain and then Howard bike park and then finish at wind rock. Um, just because it's like, I don't know how I, how I'd warm up somebody there. There's no real. Yeah. just like straight to black. <laughs> I had no
2: idea what it was really going to be like. And I remember those when I was down there in October of 21 to do a, a Knoxville series, I had to obviously include Windrock with that. Cause Knoxville is only 30 or 40 minutes away from there. And there's a, Ton of riding in Knoxville. Yep. Knoxville, for those that haven't been there, is basically the bentonville of the Southeast, and and they've done it really organically. And it was raining when I showed mm-hmm. up, because so I basically went there the day that I went there because of the way the weather was. And I, I had my uh, truck top fuel with some enduro tires on it and enduro wheels on it, and I'm like, we'll, we'll just Uh-oh. do it with this. And Sean Leader kind of looks at me and he's like, okay. So we're like halfway down the first <laughs> run. He's like why don't we throw you on a downhill bike? And I'm like, you know what? That'd be a really good <laughs> idea.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't know. I mean, even a trail bike, but totally. you're on a,
2: you're on an enduro bike. You're on, um, yeah. Santa Cruz, right? I got a
0: mega, got a mega tower, which yeah, is tower. almost undergone uh,
2: at that place. Like you have to be on yeah. a legit heavy hitting enduro bike or downhill bike.
0: Yeah, really. Like there, I was like, man, I really wish I had a 180 on my fork. Like that was then, you know, so like, but it was like, man, everybody there is on a downhill bike. And it was crazy to see that, but
2: yeah, downhill is definitely still alive and kicking in in pockets in this country. And we're going to, hopefully we see that in the world cup in years to come, because when this whole downhill mountain biking thing started, we were the, we were the dominant country back in the nineties and, and then things changed obviously.
0: Right. You got all the Frenchies that came in.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, is there anything <laughs> that we're missing that you want to, uh, that you want to talk about before you wrap this one up?
0: Um, no, we're just, uh, really excited for, you know, our second year. And, uh, we're excited to see, you know, the team continue to grow, get new riders in like, like this year, we're up to 14 at the, uh, uh Cycleworks program, the gravity team. And so, uh, we're excited to see where, where we can go and what they can do, and uh, you know, help support them however we can and their scope progression.
2: Where do you, uh, where do you top out at for, for numbers, I know you're, I'm not going to say you're a one person operation, but you, you know, you do have a couple other coaches with you, but it's really you, yep. you know, working behind the scenes to do all the accommodations yeah. and pull everything together.
0: Yep. So as far as like riders per trip at top out about eight, so it's myself and then one other instructor, uh, I like to keep the instructor to rider ratio low just so that we can really get that personal attention and, you know, give them a good experience to you know, bolster their skills. Um, but yeah, keep, keep it at at eight. And, uh, yeah, I have I have a bank of probably, let's see, about five or six additional coaches that I can kind of call on, uh, to help out, uh, when I need it. And so that's, that's been a great resource. Um, and I've been super happy that I found people that are just as excited to get kids riding this type of stuff as I am, because without them, this would be impossible. Cause I, I can't go by myself and ride this stuff in case, you know, just not feasible in case something gets hurt or just all sorts of crazy things that can happen. So, yeah, I've been, been very excited to, to see the support that I've gotten from riders and parents and just the community at large.
1: Yeah. And I'm happy to see it too,
2: because you kind of, you took a shot at this. Like you, you walked away from your career and said, let's, we're going to go this direction. Yep. So to, to dive in yeah. like that and cut the cord, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. I figure, you know, like, what do they say? Burn bridges. So burn the boats. I was like, I'm going to tap into the fort. Yeah. I'm going to tap into the 401k and make myself, you know, commit because at this point you have, I have no choice. So you got to make it work and uh, you know, it's difficult at times, but I feel if I make the experience, you know, something that you can't get anywhere else and give them experience that they, you know, will affect them for a lifetime. Like it will be a success no matter what. So for sure, that's my goal.
2: Well, Dustin, I really appreciate this and, it's awesome to oh. see programs in the youth because that is the future of our activity. If we want, if we want mountain biking to continue to grow and continue to, to be awesome for everybody, we need to continue to get more people into it. And so this is, this is another, yeah. another way of getting people into the activity, both the kids and I'm sure the parents are more excited
0: to ride too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, cool. Thanks. Thanks for having me on for the checking. for sure. And uh, hopefully we'll get out to, uh, I'll get down there to lacrosse and ride with you again soon. Or you get up here.
2: I got to get up there, but you got reasons to come down here. You got family
0: down here. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's true. That's true.
2: I got. To, I do have to get up into Minnesota. Every, man, I, I always seems like whenever I get a free chance, I like for whatever reason my truck just goes to Copper Harbor, and I don't. I got to reprogram the <laughs> thing to go other places. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's an easy place to go to because it's so beautiful. Yes. So,
1: well, thank you very much. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening. Our next two episodes will feature Christian Jackson out of Boone, North Carolina. If you like what you have heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you are new to the Trail Fact podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. If you listen to the Trail Effect on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please don't forget to leave a rating and review, as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Fact podcast. Also, don't forget to check out Kooloo Creative at www.dujascended.com. For additional ways to help support the Trail Effect podcast, check out the affiliate links on the Trail Effect website, where you'll find links to Kettle Mountain Apparel, Trail One Components, Worldwide Cyclery, and now Twenty Three Zero USA. By using the affiliate links found at www.trailfectpodcast.com, a small commission will come back to the podcast, which helps keep this thing going. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. Thank you again for listening.